Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I sit down with Steph Gold. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. All right, so a little about Steph. Steph is a life coach who helps women remove the blocks in their lives so they can birth their wildest dreams. She's a two-time international best-selling author, of her latest book is called Now Is Your Time. She presents an outline for women to soar with her book. Through her speaking, writing, and live events, private and group coaching, Steph is determined to reach women who are ready to own their power and make a difference now. So Steph and I actually met at uh, Lori Harder's Bliss Project this past March, um, and we thought it would be great to do a little podcast interview. Um, we had such a good time today. We talked about Basically, what is life coaching? So if someone is new to life coaching, we talk about what that is, how you can get involved in it if you're interested, how to remove fears and blocks in your life, as well as the education system and how um, she believes that the college education is failing us and how we can maybe work around it and inspire the younger generations. So it was a great topic and great talk today. Um, and she really teaches us how to be a leader in today's conversation. So without further ado, here is Steph Gold. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm super excited today. I have on Steph Gold with me. How are you doing today, Steph? Fabulous. Perfect. So for everyone who does not know Steph, can you tell us a little bit about your background and um, who you are? Absolutely. So um, born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, and um, always kind of growing up, I loved just being a leader and whatever that meant in my life at the time. <laughs> and um, when I graduated high school, I was just like in love with this idea of leadership. And so I actually applied to every school, every college that offered leadership as a major. <laughs> I didn't um, even know that was a major. Right. Major or minor. And there were 11 at the time. <laughs> and um, I settled on TCU, which actually offered it under the umbrella of um, psychology. Mm. And so just for the like four years of, um, I majored in communication with an emphasis in human relation, and then I minored in psychology of leadership. And I loved every second of college, like every <laughs> second. Um, I loved what I was learning. And then really after graduation, I was kind of like, what next? I've been having way too much fun learning about all this, but how do I, kind of, um, you know, move this into, into my real life and, and what do I, how do I make a career out of all of it? And I really kind of, um, tread water for a while there. I really didn't know what the next step was. And, um, I honestly just started following kind of like these, you know, you, we, we get these like divine guidance and these taps kind of get louder and louder. And so people kept saying, you should write a book. You should write a book. You should write a book. And I was like, maybe there's something to that. And then I was also simultaneously getting this, you should be a life coach. And I'm like, what in the world is a life coach? Um, so I started researching like crazy and also kind of like writing this book, whatever that meant right after <laughs> and, um, and that's when I stumbled upon... Um, Oprah's life coach, who was Martha Beck, who happened to have a, a training. And so I, I did the nine month life coach training and the rest is kind of history. I published my book, um, I guess my first book two years ago now. And then um, 
wrote my kind of tell all my own personal journey um, a year ago. And um, I've just been coaching ever since. But I spent a lot of time there um, kind of nannying and just taking all these side jobs while I kind of figured it out and pedaled through some of the resistance and fear and excuses that were all coming up in my 20s. <laughs> mm, oh, yeah. I mean, tons of that, especially in your 20s, because you're already like an unsure kind of decade. And you're like, let's start my own business. Let's dive into this. <laughs> exactly. Let's do all these terrifying things that I don't have an outline for or know what the next step is. But it's also a good time to start because you ha kind of have less usually on your plate that you're dealing with like in your personal life. Because I know that's when I started my business is my mid to late 20s. And it was kind of relaxing. So I'm like, well, if I fail, it's just me. So, you know, I can figure it out. Yeah, it's so true. It's so how did you kind of get into that life coaching or was just seeing, you know, Martha Beck being like, I want to do what she's doing or how did that kind of pull at you? No, not at all. I didn't even know life coaching was a thing. <laughs> Honestly, like I, um, I was very interested in psychology, but I mean, I remember psych one was like, <laughs> I, mean, I could have, I like barely passed with a C. So I was like, how am I going to survive? <laughs> um, psychology. And, and really it was at graduation. It was the most bizarre situation. I feel like so many, um, stories are like this, but I was, I just turned in my final exam and I ran into this adjunct professor who like should not have even known my name. I have no idea how he, how he remembered me, but he yelled out, uh, Steph, Hey, what are you doing after graduation? And I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> and he goes, you should be a life coach. And then walked away. And I was like, what in the world is a life coach? Like no explanation? No explanation. I mean, it was just, that's why I literally like, I chalk it up to divine guidance. Oh like it's like those weird things. Like when you start to think, oh, I should write a book. And then the, the, you know, grocery bagger is like, you should write a book. Like, <laughs> that just has to be divinely guided because how on earth do people get these messages? Yeah. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So it was super bizarre. And I like went home and started researching like crazy. And I found out, you know, there were just, there was so much information out there. Um, and, and I didn't trust a lot of it. Some of it sounded kind of hokey and like print off your certificate type stuff. <laughs> and, you know, just coming from college, I was like, I really want something that feels official. And so that was why I ended up settling. Um, I was like, well, if she's good enough for Oprah, she's probably good enough for me. <laughs> Oh. Um, but yeah, it was, it was an incredible, um, it was an incredible experience and it's been, um, definitely an, uh, a great part of the journey, but it is kind of funny how you just feel called to certain things and you don't even really know why. And you just kind of leap. Hmm. So for anyone, if they're kind of listening and they're like, well, what exactly is life coaching? Can you kind of break it down? And then who do you kind of serve as a life coach yourself? Absolutely. So the way I always explain it is, um, a life coaches help healthy people, right? So if you're going to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, um, you know, or if I was going to refer somebody out, if I thought maybe there was some kind of anxiety or depression or ADD or something, but, um, for life coaching, it's like real people, healthy people that are just going through life's stuff. So it might be a divorce. It might be a death. It might be, um, you know, trying to birth a dream. It might be like launching a business or relationship issues, like all different kind of stuff that just comes up in life. 
And I personally um, work with female entrepreneurs who have an idea and want to turn it into a business. And then I work with them in the first few years of their business, really launching this thing that's been tapping them on the shoulder. Hmm. So when, if people are kind of looking to get into or, um, have a life coach themselves, like, are there certain criteria that they should be looking for? Like you had just said, you know, like you had like the nine month program, others could be weekend certifications. Is there value in that? Or are you looking just for that connection with that person? Okay. So it's so funny. Cause if you would have asked me this like five years ago, I would have had a different response. <laughs> um, but I think, no, I think you know, if you're familiar with the book, The Big Leap, um, and even if you're not, you know, really this, we're starting to operate, there's a new way that <laughs> we're like hiring and that we're coming into what we're really called to do. Mm-hmm. And um, when you're operating from what Gay Hendricks, the author of that book calls um, your zone of genius, right? It's like, it's really, you've always had this gift. You've always had this ability. And so, my views on do I need a piece of paper to tell me I'm good at this thing I was always called to do that's a God-given gift (laughs) have really shifted, right? Because I'm like, no, there are so many people who maybe haven't had an extensive training or haven't, and they were just called to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's really more about the connection and how you, um, you know, click with the person. And then also, is that person where you want to be, right? So do you want to be where they are in a couple of years um, or down the road? Is that, is that what you're going for? And it's, it's crazy because I think um, the, one of the messages that has been tapping me so loudly lately is we can get so in, in this kind of masculine grind as entrepreneurs and <laughs> female entrepreneurs and, um, And one of the things that I've really been looking at is like, okay, when they get crazy busy and when they have a full book of business, how is my mentor responding like to her husband and to her kids and to her, like, how is she kind of pivoting as she grows? So that's one thing that's been, um, really important for me, you know, when I'm kind of mentor shopping or life coach shopping, if you will, (laughs) is like when they get big how are they also honoring these things in their life that are really important to them? Because I think it's easy to get buried and, and, um, and kind of tunnel, tunnel focused. So. Mm. I love that you brought that up. Cause I didn't even think of that. I mean, in terms of my own life, I just actually this morning had one of my clients tell me that um, she loves how I've kind of changed um, my approach to teaching since I've had my son and, you know, she's been training with me for about five years now. And I was like, wow, that's, crazy that, you know, those little life shifts happen. And I never even thought of that for like your mentors, but that would totally make sense. Like someone now who has children is probably going to resonate with me more than someone who doesn't because it is more to juggle and different things on their plate. So I love that you just brought that to my own awareness. I'm like, this is great. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think even, even if you're someone who wants to have kids, Mm -hmm. you know, like looking to a mentor that has them and is like killing it. Right. Mm -hmm. I loved what you said just before we started the recording about, you know, kind of um, adding some space in your life. And it's like, you know, the, it's, it's just so essential and it, and it really can turn, um, you know, someone who, someone who's looking 
for that next step or looking to kind of grow their family or have um, be in a different place in a couple of years is real. That's going to appeal to them because they're like, that's what I want, right? That's how I want to to be as a female entrepreneur. You know, that's what I want it to look like. Is this is this balance? Mm, yes. Yeah. And I, I am like, I like, I don't mind the word balance because I know some people don't like that, but one of the things I think about it, because balance is different for everyone. So when I say balance, my balance might look different than your balance. My balance looks completely different than it did, you know, even like a few years ago. So that's where I'm always like, there is balance, but it's just your definition of whatever that means in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what about blocks? Because I know, you know, you've written a book now, which is amazing. And I'm sure there are some blocks there for you. So how do people kind of remove some of those blocks? So maybe someone's listening and they're like, well, I want to write a book or I want to start my own business, but X, Y, Z, they have this block that's just like, can't get past it. Absolutely. So, um, it's such, it's such a good question. I'm so glad you asked it because I think for so long, um, you know, I, I really, and now when I talked about <laughs> the time in my life when I was really treading water, um, there were so many blocks and they just become bigger and bigger and bigger. And sometimes these blocks fall off on their own. So like my father had been ill for nine years and he was like my, my greatest excuse as to why I hadn't finished my book and why I hadn't launched my business, right? Because my dad was ill. Mm-hmm. And, and then I had backup blocks, right? Because writing my book was super scary. Launching my business was super scary. So then I had like backup blocks, right? (laughs) All these other little things that are standing in our way. And I'll never forget when my dad passed away, it was just like this very clear moment of like, oh my gosh, like that was never a real excuse. That was never a real block. Mm. And the second it was, it was just taken from me. Um, it exposed every other excuse, every other block, if you will. Right. And, and so I remember, I mean, it was like so real and it felt so real, but I think the most important thing to realize is that as we talk about with these kind of taps, tapping us on the shoulder that get louder or repetitive. I need to write a book. I need to be a life coach, all these things. Like we have to know that they are divinely guided. So whether you, like whether you use the term God or, you know, the universe or whatever it is, but you have to know that like these messages aren't just like coincidentally coming to you repetitively. Yes. (laughs) Like they are, it is. And, and I, couldn't have always said that, but like now with the work I'm doing and what I witness with my clients, I'm like, it is so clearly scientific. Like there is no denying that it is science (laughs) that this happens. It's crazy. But, but with that, you have to trust, right? So these, these ideas aren't coming to you coincidentally. They aren't coming to you for no reason. Right. So there has to be this element of trusting that it's divinely guided and trusting that we wouldn't be getting the tap if we weren't already qualified to do it now. Mm. Right. And so it's like, it's so interesting because they start off as kind of like whispers, like you should write a book. book." And then they get louder and louder until literally like, like I said, you're checking out at the grocery store and the baggers like you should write a book. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, And so I think part of that is trusting. And, you know, there was one thing one of my mentors said that I thought was so brilliant. She's like, when you allow a block to stop you or when you allow an excuse to stand in your way, 
it's like looking to God and saying, I don't trust you. Mm. You've given me this tap. You've given me this idea, but I don't trust that I'm ready. Mm. So I'm going to go do this other thing because it's less scary. Yeah. What if people have blocks that they don't even know that that is their block? Oh, I think it happens all the time. I think it happens all the time. And so some of that is just like, um, <laughs> like identifying the, identifying the, okay, what is it? What, what is the reason I'm not doing this thing now? And then what I say is, okay, now prove it not to be true. <laughs> mm. So like, in other words, um, you know, we could build a case either way, right? Like I could say my dad is the reason, my dad's illness is the reason I'm not writing this book. And I could probably convince you, I could build a case as to why that's true. Mm-hmm. But in the next breath, I could also build a case as to why that's not true. Mm. And so sometimes they become, we, you know, we really, and there's, and there's science behind this, right? Like when we think a thought repetitively, we actually develop a neuro pathway in our brain, right? Yes. An actual groove that exists now. So Joe Dispenza talks about this. He's incredible. Um, Love him. Love him so much. But he, um, but, but I mean, there's actual science behind that. So it's like, we have to, we have to become aware of the thought that we now believe and has become such an ingrained part of us, right? Yes, Um, yes. And we have to become aware of it. We have to acknowledge that it's not true. And then we have to like replace it with a new thought. Mm. You know, so it's, it becomes like, okay, and now, now I can see it so clearly. I couldn't at the time, but I look back and I'm like, gosh, my dad could have, my dad's illness could have been the reason that I was going to finish my book in 60 days, right? Like, Mm -hmm not knowing, like wanting him to see it, wanting him to, um, to experience it could have been my, my reason for doing it right then and there. Mm. Um, and it's so interesting because you always think it's going to be so much harder than it really is. Like it's harder to not do it than it is to just do it. Mm. (laughs) Yes. Painful. It is actually painful not to do this thing we say we're going to do. Cause then you're Um, fighting yourself tooth and nail. Like I should do this. I should do this. And it's just, you're going nowhere with it. <laughs> 100%. And um, yeah, and then people start to ask you, right? Like you said, you're mm-hmm. going to write a book. So then they're like, how's your book coming? And it's just like, oh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's like so it's coming. Cool. It's not coming at all though. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, that's, uh, it's so interesting, you know, just to see what our our minds are capable of and capable of holding us back from. Because I think that's mm-hmm. very true in terms of, you know, I experiment this with my um, personal training clients and just the way people talk to themselves. And what happens is sometimes we don't even realize how bad we're treating ourselves. So like, they're like, oh, I hate my thighs. Oh, my arms are too fat. Or, you know, just those little comments that they make, which they don't even realize they're saying, but I'm like, okay, if you're saying this, you know, out loud to me, what are you saying in your head to yourself? Or if you're by yourself in the bathroom mirror, you know, what is popping up that they might not be aware that's actually coming through. So I think some of those hidden things are, you know, no matter if it's with starting your own business, you know, with your own body, whatever could be holding you back that is just sunken so deep and is part of our brain and our patterns. So for you, like to get out of some of those things, do you tell people like journal or meditate? Are those some of the things that you have women go through? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was what was just coming up for me was, um, 
we need to, sometimes we need to journal to acknowledge what the thought is. Sometimes we aren't even aware mm-hmm. and we have to go off a of feeling like this just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. So it's yeah. like, again, with the book example, um, you know, okay, what's the thought? Why can't I go do this thing right now? And then like really writing down, okay, what are the thoughts? And for, for me, it's journaling. For some of my clients, it's actually like doodling, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and that's, that's how it comes to them is like drawing little pictures. Um, But it's getting yourself in that kind of creative space. That's almost like unconscious, right? Like it's tapping into, okay, what is, what is it really? Right. And then, and then again, being able to like, once you're able to get those thoughts out, it's like, okay, now how, sometimes you'll laugh out loud. Cause you're like, that's the thought. <laughs> that's the thought. There was one time where my resistance was, um, showing up in the form of like creating a video and posting a video on Facebook. And I couldn't figure out why it was so difficult for me. Like, why was this so difficult? And when I sat down and thought about, okay, what is the fear? What is going on? Why, what's the resistance? What's the block, if you will? And um, what I wrote out was like, fear of all of my ex-boyfriends seeing (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, I laughed out loud. I was like, that is so ridiculous. Like, I don't want to get back with any of my ex-boyfriends. Like, why is that? But you know, so, so sometimes we aren't even (laughs) And once I could like get it out and laugh about it, like how ridiculous was that thought? <laughs> then it was like, okay, cool. Now I'm free to just go make this video. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Yeah, that's not, I mean, again, like those fears, you're like, okay, I can work through that. That's not super deep of a fear. <laughs> no, right. But sometimes we just stay in that place of like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. And it's like, well, that's actually probably resistance. <laughs> it's not our gut saying don't do it, right? It's, um, it's. Oh that feeling of uh, resistance that we need to push through. Yes. And that's the same with meditation. Like I tell, I have, uh, I do yoga with some uh, private clients a few times a week and some days they sit there during meditation and they're like, I want to run. I want to get up. I don't want to sit here because that's that resistance, you know? So sometimes when people have a tough time meditating and they're like, I can't sit still. And I'm like, oh, sit through that. Like that's what you need to sit through because that whatever's coming up, that's what you personally need to work through right now. Cause I'm like, we've all been there. It will hit me from time to time. Like, I'm like, where did this come from? I thought I was completely fine. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, like I can't sit. Like, I just am like, I need to run. I need to get away from whatever this feeling is. And I'm like, that's where the juicy goodness comes. If you sit through that. 100%, 100%. Do you have a meditation practice that you do? Um, I do. And actually for me, um, I just lay on the earth. (laughs) I love it. So I do love guided meditations. um, But I found for myself that it was just one more thing I needed to schedule. It felt like Mm. it felt harder. Yep. Just literally like I let my dog outside and I go and lay on the ground. (laughs) Um, And I close my eyes. My dog takes forever to go to bed. Like I, he's like seven pounds, but he could just like live out there. And so it just became like an easy time. Okay. You're going to go outside. I know you're going to already be out here for 10 minutes. So like, that's also my time to just lay. And it really doesn't matter. Um, kind of like what the weather's like or what's going on. Uh. I just find that for me, that's when I'm able to like most 
efficiently and effectively connect and I, and I'm able to get to, um, really like the, the core of whatever's coming up for me or whatever just needs to exist. And I need to like be grateful for, um, the quickest when I'm, when I'm outside. And I love that you shared that example. Cause I think so many of us think that it needs to be scheduled. We need to be on our meditation cushion and sit for however many minutes. And like that example is like, it fit into your day. You're not avoiding it. You enjoy it. Like that's how meditation should be. So I really love that example. 100%, 100%. It's all, it's all about, it's not adding, right? It's like, okay, where can I do this stuff in the pockets of my day? Mm, Otherwise yeah. it just won't be something that we, you know, keep up with. Yeah. And it can becomes like a checklist and we're just trying to check it off the box saying, yep, I did it, but you really weren't present. You know, you're just doing it to check it off. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, when we talk about like that, that masculine and feminine balance, it's like mm -hmm. meditation is such a feminine activity mm -hmm. and like making it a part of something we have to do is like another thing we have to do is like super masculine, right? Yes. So it's like, it's really hard to kind of switch back and forth if you're always in this mindset of like, have to, must, check. Like. Yes. Oh, that's so true. Because I found myself like one month, I was like, yes, I meditated every morning for my five <laughs> minutes. You know, but the end of the month, I'm like, well, did I really want to do it some of those days? No. Did I just force myself to sit down and like, sit there. Yes. You know, so I'm like, okay, so I'm getting much better at trying to allow and invite it rather than being like, you must sit there, even though your child's crawling all over your lap, try to relax. <laughs> right. 100%, 100%. Some days, um, it's what we need. And some days we need to tune in and it's not what we need, right? Like what you really need is to crawl on the ground with your kids. Yes. <laughs> So I want to talk about play since that seems definitely to be a theme that's coming up, especially with your meditation practice. That's kind of a very playful way to meditate. So you are a big proponent of play as well. How do you incorporate that into your life? Okay. So this is, this is so fun. So when I, what I really didn't realize was when I was nannying, I, it was almost like I was required to play as my job, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There were so many like sidewalk chalk and bubbles. And, you know, I mean, I felt like I was playing all the time. And um, I didn't realize how much I missed it. So when I, when I left nannying, it was to write my book and to really launch my coaching business full time. And so when you're launching a business and when you're, when you're kind of switching that regimen, like I didn't even think I needed to schedule play or like <laughs> play a part of my day. Right. Like I had no idea. And before I knew it, um, again, as I keep going back to this theme of like masculine versus feminine, but I, everything I was doing was super masculine. Like you must sit down and write your book. You must like do this. You must figure out what you're going to do for marketing. You must, and then it was like, now I must cook dinner at this time. Like, it was just all these have to, have to, have to. Mm -hmm. um, and then I found like, I would like yell at my dog or like, <laughs> whoa. And there was this moment where I yelled at my dog and I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I am taking this way too seriously and I have like zero balance. So I, I kind of went on this hunt for like, what is it that's missing? Hmm. And what I really uncovered was that, okay, when I got in the car, I was like listening to a podcast. When I got in, like everything I was doing was like for work, for grind. And so I wasn't 
playing and, and, and what I mean by play is like finding the joy, right? Like having those joyful moments. It doesn't have to look like sidewalk chalk or bubbles, <laughs> right? Like for me now, it's literally like making a funny dance move up, like while I go to make my coffee or like head to the fridge for a snack. Um, or it's like singing and rapping while I do the dishes, <laughs> right? Like that's playful for me. That's where I find my joy. That's where I like remind myself to stop taking it all so seriously. Mm. Um, and what I found is that like, yeah, now there was a time too, I have um, a little convertible and I wasn't even putting the top down because I was like, I can't hear my podcast as well. And I don't want my hair to get messed up because I have a client call. <laughs> I was like, whoa, right? Like who, who, who wants to model that? Who wants to be that? Right. I'm like, my clients want to see someone who's like having fun. <laughs> why did I, why did I get into this business in the first place? And it was all about the grind. Right. <laughs> so I think that, um, that, yeah, that message, that message came up loudly and, um, and it was just, it became so essential to have, like I had, I was, I had lost that, um, I had lost that consistent play and it was clearly missing from my life. Mm. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people miss play, whether it be in a corporate environment or, you know, whether you run your own business. Cause I think sometimes we think, okay, we have to be serious. We have to be this person in order for people to respect us or take us serious. So I find it super interesting, you know, that you were like, no, like, I wouldn't want to personally coach with someone who's all very button up conservative, like let me kind of shine. And I think that's something that I've tried to work on, I guess, the last few years. Um, I actually chatted on this with one of the podcast guests that I had on a couple months ago. And we chatted about that, like just in training, we're like, yeah, like letting go of that perfection that we have to be perfect, you know, and present ourselves as we know everything we eat right every single meal. We work out every single day. We do the right things. And instead letting our human side come out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I mean, people are attracted to that, right? Like they want, they gravitate toward the most excited person in the room, toward the yes. happiest person in the room, right? Like you don't gravitate toward the person that doesn't look like they're having any fun. This is very true. <laughs> You're like, yikes, what happened to her? Like, you know, and so um, it just doesn't attract people. And I feel like those, all of those things that we're craving in our life won't know where to find us unless we are truly um, coming from this place of, of happiness and joy. Hmm. What about people who work in the office or have that setting? How can they incorporate play while still, you know, representing, I guess, the corporate environment? Absolutely. So what I love about this one is like, um, there's, there seriously is so many, so many easy ways. So like, what does your day look like before you get to work? Right? Like, how are you, are you listening to your favorite playlist while you get ready? Right? Like in shower and are you having fun? um, getting to that environment, right? Mm -hmm. Then are you, what are you listening to in the car? Are you dancing? Like, do you care if anybody sees you? Like, <laughs> right. So then how are you, it starts in the very beginning. What are you putting on? Like, what are you wearing? You're going to see yourself how many times in the mirror, right? Mm -hmm. So are you choosing to wear colors that don't bring you joy? 
are you choosing to pick out jewelry that like, you know, I'm just like picturing this like white and black outfit with pearls. Like, I don't know why it's coming to me. And I'm like, but is that bringing you joy? And if yes, awesome. And if not, then like, how can you wear something that is bringing you joy? Right. So there are some times where like, I'm not going to lie. I do like a 12, a 12 to 14 hour work day. And the next day I just wear a flower in my hair the entire day. (laughs) Like, because. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. (laughs) Like that brings me joy. And so every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, gosh, that's awesome. Like this bright pink flower. Like that's so awesome. Um, you know, or I'll wear like a, a really, you know, big earrings or like kind of a, a fun necklace, right? Like what will bring you joy, um, to kind of wear and have on you and how can your personality, um, kind of show through in, in what you're wearing? Mm. Um, and then there's so many other, it's so interesting. Once you kind of start messing around with it and playing around, like, how can I insert this into my, because it's not about adding something again, right? It's like, how do I take the activities I'm already doing and make them more fun? Mm. Like, like so it fits into your day easier too. 100%. It's like, okay, when you go into the break room, like, are, do you have your head down? Are you scrolling through your phone on your breaks? Are you, are you like doing the crip walk? You know, like, what are you, <laughs> like how, how can it be more joyful? Like even in kind of your, your workspace, are you sending like, you know, just sending somebody that's like two offices over or cube over like a, a funny meme, you know, like just silly things that kind of, again, make you happiness, bring you joy. Um, yeah. So I, there's a ton of ways, but it's never about adding more. It's always like, how can I make what I'm already doing more playful? Yes. I did the same thing too with my personal training business. Cause when I first started, I was like, I need to wear these dry fit V neck, like t-shirts and you know, like black pants. Cause that looks professional. And then I'm like, that's totally not my style, like at all. Like I like bright colors. Like my yoga pants are crazy bright and like just fun. And I'm like, otherwise, if they're not, I also have been known to wear like bright pants with a really bright shirt as well. Like that is like, I don't care. Like I like the bright colors and the fun. Cause I'm like, okay, if people are working out, most likely a lot of people don't always like to work out. So I'm like, I need to bring some fun and some color to them. Not like super professional. Here's my clipboard. Let me check things off as I used to. So I'm like, I don't know how I shed that. Or just one day I was like, you know what, this isn't me. Like, why am I trying to be this button up conservative trainer when that's not my style at all? 100%. And I, and I guarantee you that like more people want to interact with you. Like they're like almost like a conversation piece, right? People are like, Oh, I love your pants. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. <laughs> no, and it's like if you were wearing just like standard black, you know, whatever, like people wouldn't say that, right? Yep. So, um, so it does. It just kind of it's almost contagious, right? They're like, oh, I love that girl's pants. I need pants like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to be more joyful. I want to play more. Yes. And then when people are like, oh, but I couldn't, you know, I wear black pants. I was like, no, but why not? You know, they're like, but I'm not a trainer. I'm like, it doesn't matter. You know, like if you like them and you think they're fun, why not? Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially if they bring you joy, like you're, especially when you're working out, cause you're like, this is going to burn. This is going to hurt. There's going to be moments I want to quit. And if I keep looking down at the leg press and I see these like rocking yoga pants, it's, I'm more inclined to just be like, God, this is awesome. <laughs> 
<laughs> or motivated to go to the gym because you're like, I got to wear my cute yoga pants. It's so true. It's so true. Uh, so one thing that you talk about in your book um, is about how colleges are failing us after graduation. So can you tell us a little bit more about your thoughts on this? Absolutely. So, you know, really it's like the... <laughs> We were, all we know up until college graduation is school, right? We have this like very um, regimented, decided, determined schedule, and we've had it for our whole lives. And then it's kind of like, okay, you graduate, like, good luck. Like, <laughs> you're so just true. like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean, good luck? Like, how am I supposed to take everything I've learned and, um, and then kind of find something that brings me joy. And we, and we get these, it's not just colleges, but it's like this combination of everything. Because um, if you have parents like mine, they're like, do something that makes you happy. And you're like, well, that's not a nine to five. Like, you're like that's not like two weeks vacation and you know, a year when I've had all this freedom, right? Yes. Um, and so you're kind of getting these like, you know, different messages that kind of contradict each other and you don't really know what the next step is. And it feels like there's nobody there mm -hmm. to like help you. Cause you're getting kind of these ambiguous, like, do what makes you happy. You're like, what makes me happy? Like, yes. Yeah. You, know? you haven't had time to reflect on that. 100%. And you've always had this schedule kind of determined for you. And I think now is a really interesting time because there's, there's this whole new way of doing business that's really on the rise. And so, whereas for our parents, it looked like a nine to five with a suit and a briefcase and two weeks paid vacation, you know, like all of those, mm -hmm. um, we see now with social media that there are so many people that are kind of designing their own lives and they're somehow successful, um, but they determine their own schedule. They seem to be traveling the world like they seem to, right? So like yeah. there's this other way that is is coming and and it's like what does that mean and so i think that's where a lot of millennials we have this like misconception of being lazy or um and it's like no it's the opposite like we're we're about to create something epic mm -hmm. yes <laughs> and like there's no one's done it before and we don't have a roadmap we have no direction and so we're figuring this out mm-hmm like what is this going to look like right because like i said before um, I really believe within the next 20 years, people are going to be hiring based on people's like God-given gifts, their zone of genius, what they were, the, the skills and talents they were born with, um, as opposed to like what these pieces of paper reflect we're good at and capable of. And um, I mean, even with the grading too, because then you're like, oh, my GPA is this or that. And that's very up to the teacher because I actually had, I taught for a couple of years and it is very much... I mean, it's you, like there's no rhyme or reason why I would give one kid this versus that, like besides what they got on a test, you know, and then some of it's left up to teacher discretion. So that's where you can get some kind of murky and muddy waters in that regard as well. Cause you're like, there aren't clear cut. Here you go. This is why this kid got an A and this one maybe got a B plus. 100%, 100%. And I think that what we're realizing is that so many people stay in you know, you, you have people, okay, it's like they graduate, you know, um, college and they're like, well, I better go to grad school because like, I don't, yeah. I don't know 
what I want to do, right? Yes, yes. Like, oh, I want to go to med school. And then, and so you have people that are in positions that maybe they're there because like their dad said, Hey, I'm a dentist and you're going to take over the practice. Mm-hmm. And, but that's not what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have this kind of, again, this like disconnect and this, this shift that is really happening right now where people realize that it doesn't have to be this hard. And that when, that some people are like making a ton of money and it's with ease and enjoyment. Yes. um, I think the more and more that people witness that and see that there's a different way, they're breaking out of that old um, view. And um, so, yeah, so I think that the fact that college is kind of like, here's this piece of paper, (laughs) (laughs) go figure it out, um, makes it really difficult to kind of, and and again, like while we, we have our parents saying one thing, we have um, our peers doing another, Mm -hmm. um, it just makes things very confusing. Oh, it totally does. And especially when, you know, you're in college, if you go right after you're like 18 to 22, you're very, you know, impressionable and you're kind of basing what you want to do, what your peers are doing. Cause you're like, Oh, well, this is what my best friend's doing. I guess I should go to those classes. You know, whether you actually enjoy those classes or not, you want to be with your friend, maybe 100%. Um, and then again, it's like that whole, okay, well, did my dad say that I have to take over the business? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. well, I guess I'm doing that because he's paying for it. And let um, alone having degrees in general. My mom was set, just telling me actually uh, a few weeks ago. So I graduated high school in 2003. And then when they had met with like the high school counselor and principal, they have like a parents meeting and she goes, yep, at that meeting, uh, the counselor, the principal all said, four-year degree is a must if you want to get a job. Like that was the path you needed to do. Then fast forward after my littlest brother, he is eight years younger than me. um, She goes, we went to the same meeting for him and they go, ah, an associate's degree is great. If you can make it to a two-year school, that's totally fine. You know, it's really, it's up to you. You don't need that four-year degree anymore. So like within those eight years, it already had changed so much. And so I'm sure, I mean, even now my gosh, he's probably been out of school for about eight years. So I'm sure it's changed even more so because colleges we are finding are not for everyone. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a very clear shift going on. And, and I think it's interesting, even that like at a collegiate level, that's the advice they're giving, (laughs) but they see it as well. Right. Like you might not need this. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, if you don't, if you're going in, not knowing really what you want to do and then wasting a year or two, that's a lot of money that you're also paying for maybe having to go six years before you finally figure it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I don't know the solution, but I'm sure something definitely will be changing in the next few years. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. And I think that, um, yeah, I think that there's, there's a very clear, shift. And then I also see like a massive rise in, um, coaches and, you know, healers that are going to be very accessible to people who are graduating that like, if I, my world would have been so different if I had thought, okay, before like going and becoming a life coach, maybe hire a coach. (laughs) What is this person all about? What do they actually do? (laughs) Right. Like, I really, you know, to just help me find my truth and kind of uncover what, you know, peel back the layers and uncover what was really going to bring me joy. Um, 
you know, when you have that accountability, you, it's just harder to, to tread water for as long as I did, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so how do you see like personal growth fitting into all of this? Oh my gosh, personal growth. Um, it is, it is such a key component in, um, in this entire process. And it, it is so funny because it's like, once you kind of see it, you can't unsee it. Like, mm. like I talked about earlier, it's like, it's painful to look back on the past and realize how long, um, I stayed stuck, you know, or believed my blocks and excuses for so long. Um, but yeah, personal growth, gosh, it, it has played such a key factor. I think to be totally transparent, I think that is 100% what my life coach training was, was like <laughs> a nine month intensive personal growth. <laughs> Um, like, yes, it was learning tools. Yes. But it was, it was like, how much can we stretch you in, in nine months? Um, and then it's an ongoing journey, right? So, um, there are so, I mean, it's such a large, um, industry and it can be kind of overwhelming. Like I'm one of those people who's reading eight books at any given time. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> like, because there's just so much. And I think the important thing is to not get overwhelmed, right? Because there's always a conference you can be attending. There's always an event. There's always um, a coach you could hire. There's always a book you could read. There's always a podcast you can listen to. There's always, 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 right? And so finding again, um, what brings you joy and not making it something you have to do. So if reading a book um, before you go to bed doesn't bring you joy, then like, let's not make that your personal growth practice. Um, And if listening to a podcast is like really the time, like if you're trying to listen to podcasts in the car um, and that's really a time you should be dancing, then dance. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's finding out what works for you. And it might be that you wake up in the morning and you really just want to lay in bed for like another hour. And it might be great to have a podcast on (laughs) while you do that. Right. Instead of just scrolling Facebook, Mm -hmm. um, or scrolling, you know, whatever the, the, the scroll solution is, (laughs) um, whatever it is. But, you know, I think, really tuning in and saying, okay, and and, uh, social media is a whole other beast, but does this make me feel good? Mm -hmm. Like what if I wake up and I, the first thing I do is open my Facebook app and I scroll, do I feel better or worse after doing that? Like, how am I feeling? Okay. Now I decide whether I should continue doing that. (laughs) Right. But I think so often we don't tune in no. Then we just, right. And then we, we scroll, we brush our teeth and the whole time we're like, Oh, I bet they're not having that much fun on vacation. Like, why do they even post all those pictures? I bet that wasn't the best cup of coffee of her life. Like, <laughs> right. And yes. like, we aren't even aware that like we've created, um, this for ourselves. That if we just had a different practice, if we would wake up and like I said, listen to a podcast while we lay there instead, then we'd be like, oh God, I could so easily implement that in my day. And like the, the thoughts that are running through your head as you brush your teeth are completely different, right? Mm-hmm. 
And so how does it shift your day? How does it shift your perspective? How does it motivate you? Um, and I think, yeah, on that personal growth is always going to be a part of it for me. And the, and the understanding where to go next is always like, okay, what's currently working? What's not? <laughs> and it's like a constant checking in. Oh, that's it. I totally agree with that. And I'm like, oh, I can totally, I see myself just sitting there brushing my teeth, scrolling on my phone. And I remember my husband will walk in and be like, you really can't just brush your teeth and like do nothing, like have nothing in your hand. Like you're not like scrolling through Instagram or Facebook. Like you're not listening to podcasts. You're just brushing your teeth. I was like, no, I cannot even tell you the last time I've done that. And I'm like, man, that is such a interesting and sad scenario all in its own self, you know, because I'm like, does it be, make me happy every time? Probably not, but I do it out of habit. Cause I'm like, well, I'm not doing, I need to be productive at all hours of my day. I think that's, what's kind of in the back of my brain. I'm like, my son's sleeping. This is my time to, you know, interact or be on, you know, social media. And so I think shutting down and, you know, shutting off that masculine energy and be like, you know what, I'm just going to be present in whatever I'm doing. Absolutely. And I think that, again, that goes back to being an entrepreneur and having, um, <clears throat> I mean, honestly, it goes back to just being a mom, but it's, oh, yeah. but it's like just constantly needing to fill the space. Right. And like, that's so much about what our, how we're kind of programmed now, right? Like this need to constantly be stimulated, which didn't exactly exist 10 years ago, back when we had like Nokia phones. <laughs> Right. But like now that we have social media and, um, everything on one device, it's just become this constant need to be stimulated and be multitasking all the time. Right. It's it's not necessarily a good thing either. No. And we have to be very conscious of like, okay, I need, this is my time to unplug and like, just brush my teeth. Yes. Yep. Put my phone down, go like have my husband hide it from me. Like, yeah. you know, whatever it needs to be. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Or like you just develop a new habit. You throw it in the bed and yep. you, you know, go brush your teeth and then you, you move it when you make the bed or whatever the new, the new habit is. Yes. Oh, that- we get in these routines and I think we are, sometimes we aren't even like aware of it. We aren't even aware that we're doing it until someone calls us out on it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was totally, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh man, in the morning, cause I'm usually up first. I totally do the same thing. I do it in the morning and in the evening to start and end my day. <laughs> right. Right. And I think it's also hard when some of your business is on, is on social yes. media yep. because then you can almost convince yourself like, but I'm doing work. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, okay. Because I have multiple groups where my, my clients are that I, respond to them. Mm -hmm. So I was finding myself obsessively checking and, um, and it can, it can become addictive too, by the way, (laughs) there's very much science involved in that. But, and so I was finding myself obsessively checking and I finally just said, you know what, I'm going to get five checks a day. Five checks is plenty Mm -hmm. for me to be able to serve my clients and, um, it was a healthy balance for me. And so I did that for a while. And to be honest with you now, I check much less than I did then. I haven't needed to like, you know, focus on the five checks, but, but it is sometimes like, okay, this isn't serving me. How do I create a new habit? Mm, I love that. This is not serving me. How can I create a new habit? I'm gonna have to use that on myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
so kind of wrapping up, because um, we're almost at the hour mark already. Oh my goodness. But I know it goes fast. Uh, so I want to know more about this book because I have it and I have not, my, my goal is to read it uh, before I interviewed you, but it did not happen. Um, <laughs> so I want to know more about it and it's called Now Is Your Time. Yes. So, um, so it was so interesting. You know, my, my first book was really kind of the story of my grandmother's life and, and um, I developed while I really kind of thought I was being bold by writing my book, it wasn't my story. And um, so I was starting to attract all these like grandma groupies, which were so epic, but I had to make a decision like, okay, am I going to really put myself out there and write a second book? <laughs> or am I going to kind of hide behind my grandma's great story? So I decided to take the big scary leap and, um, and this is really my like tell all journey of my twenties. Um, and so the, the beginning part of the, of the book is really like every excuse I ever had <laughs> and like why I stalled for so long, why it took me so long to finally do this thing that I had known I wanted to do since my early twenties. Um, and then the next part of the book is like, how do we get out of that? Right. So like how, okay. If we like really are believing these thoughts and we're kind of trapped there. Right. Um, and we can become so convincing. Like I would, any of my friends and family would have told you that these were great reasons why I wasn't doing it. Right. <laughs> Cause I believed it so deeply that I was like great at convincing others that these were great reasons. Um, and so, so anyway, so with each kind of, um, chapter, there are like journal questions and kind of deep dives into like, how does this apply? Mm. Um, so you can apply it to your own story in your own life. And then, like I said, the second half of the book is all like, okay, how can we start acting on this thing right now? So it's real like tips and tricks and tools to start executing whatever your vision is right now. Um, and yeah, it's been, it has been such a awesome journey and I'm so grateful just for, um, I'm so grateful that I like to, you know, was encouraged to take that leap because it really, it is, it was all about kind of owning, you know, the, the stuff that you want to sweep under the rug mm -hmm. and hide behind, but like truly like your mess has the most, um, can have the most profound impact on somebody else. So, so it is a messy, it is, <laughs> I go pretty deep, but, um, but yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I cannot wait to read it. It is definitely on my list of things to read. So that's where I have a book club that I'm part of. So I'm like, okay, I need to finish that book first. And then that's my next step. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, so then where can we connect with you and where can we find your book? So, um, my book is on Amazon. Um, you can just type in Steph gold. Now is your time. And, um, I am on Facebook as Steph gold, um, and Steph gold life coach. And I'm on Instagram as Steph gold life coach. So I'm pretty easy to find. Nice. So then the final couple questions for you first, what does peaceful power mean to you? Okay. So I love this peaceful power oh, because you. it is, it to me is so, um, 
so much the theme of this, like <laughs> feminine, masculine, right? Yes. Yep. Peaceful. That's where I got it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it. Um, peaceful being such a, you know, feminine word and power being, um, masculine. And so I just, I love this combination. It's like, this is the balance it takes to be a leader today, mm -hmm. right? Like this is, and whatever a leader means to you, like if it's in your business or if it's in your, if you're the leader of your household or the leader of, you know, whatever um, it is in your life, but peaceful power is, is everything that it takes to, to really excel as a leader in your life. Mm, I love that. I love the balance it takes to be a leader. That's perfect. <laughs> So then uh, finally, I like to wrap up with a weekly challenge to the listeners. And I like to have you guys, my guests, throw that out to them when I have you guys on. So what would you like the challenge to be this week? Ooh, I love this. <laughs> I love this. Okay, let's say, how can you transform, um, Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. I love this idea. Let me think about this. Let's say, how can you transform one of your daily activities into a playful activity? So in other words, um, I challenge, how long do your challenges last? Like two weeks? Usually a week, but you can okay, perfect. Okay, perfect. So for the next week finding, and it could be like the same activity or a different activity. Right. But it might be just like, you know, putting Britney Spears on while you shower mm -hmm. or, um, <laughs> you know, uh, dancing, like I said, dancing to the fridge to get your snack or rapping when you do the dishes or putting the top down and the windows down and rocking out yes. um, on your drive. Right. But like, how can you take a, um, what's usually a mundane and normal activity in your life and put a playful spin on it. Yes, that's great. Awesome. Oh, that is perfect. Well, awesome. Steph, it's been such a pleasure getting to talk to you and get to know you a little bit more. I mean, I, mean, I absolutely adore you. I, I say the same, the same, the same. I just love connecting with you, my dear. Oh, yes. And everyone, go out there and spread your peaceful power. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclawson.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.